Does anyone have friends in your life that can kind of bop you upside the head? Does anyone have bop you upside the head kind of friends? Does anybody want one? That was a loaded question. Well, I'm thankful. I have a, I have a friend that I've, that I've known for four or five years named Rick, who is actually going to be coming at the end of August. He's probably one of my favorite preachers in the whole world. He's going to come and preach for us. He's one of my best friends. And uh, Rick was one of those friends yesterday who was able to say, Chad, come on, dude. And I don't know about you, but I need some come on, dude kind of friends. Well, if you've been with us these last few weeks, chances are some of you have, some of you haven't, because I haven't seen you, so it's good to see you. We've been going through a little tiny four-part series on Jesus' words in Matthew 4:19, where John the Baptist, Jesus' forerunner, has just been put in prison. Jesus picks up his mantle. And he preaches the same message that John the Baptist was preaching, which was repentance because the kingdom of God is near. Repentance because the kingdom of God will not fit in your paradigm or certainly not the Roman paradigm of Jesus' day or the American paradigm. The kingdom of God cannot contain because it itself is the container of all things. And so repentance means every, listen, when I show up, everything about how you see, how you feel, how you experience life, the things you pursue, the things you don't pursue, when I show up in my reign, in my domain, everything changes. And that's what repentance is all about. It's the change of mind. It's a new mindset. It's a new, it's just new. Someone say new with me. And so repent because everything's changing because the king and his kingdom are coming. So Jesus is preaching this, and instead of going off and, and, and starting this huge 10,000-member church ministry, which he easily could have, probably more, he probably could have had 20,000, <laughs> Jesus' first move is to go find people to do life with and to bring along in his ministry. Isn't that really cool that that was Jesus' first move, was to include people? He could have had the cool... You know, corner office, northwest corner of the temple that overlooked Jerusalem. He could have set up shop, and, but instead he goes by a lakeside and he calls a couple of nobodies to become somebody through him. And he tells them these, this sentence, come, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. This is our third week, and so if you want to go to our website and check out the first two messages in this small little series, please do. But this week, we're focusing on the phrase, I will make you. Now, when you think of that phrase, do not think of a four-year-old that says, you can't make me. Don't think that. <laughs> I don't have a four-year-old that says that, so I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. We're going to focus on that phrase. We're, going to, we're just going to camp there for a few minutes, and then we're going to feast together. I will make you. 
I will make you. If you had a week like mine, you're thankful for these four words. You see, I haven't slept well for four nights because I keep thinking, what if my baby comes in the middle of the night? My baby, meaning my wife's baby and eyes, and she's pregnant due any time. So I haven't slept. And I'm not, don't boo-hoo me or, hey, violin guy, where are you at? I need some violin. <laughs> and some of you all know, if you don't sleep well, sort of, you know, I don't need to really go any further. <laughs> wah, wah. I haven't been as faithful as I like to be in my morning times with the Lord. I've just been sleeping in because of the non-sleep. And did you know that if usually you don't make Jesus your first thing, he usually just gets kind of lost in the shuffle of the busyness of life. Am I talking to anybody today? I'm talking to me. And so I had a few of those days where I just was whipped and no excuses, but my day got away from me. I've been still coming to terms a bit with losing a spiritual father and mentor and pastor and Pastor Ron, grinding through some of that and the implications and what it means and what it doesn't mean. And, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is I haven't had the best week, and I'm not complaining, but I'm just being real. If I lived this week based upon how I felt, I probably would not have lived as a Christian. But because of these four words that Jesus said, I will make you, I can stay in the grinder of a week that was pretty crummy knowing even though I feel jack, I don't feel nothing, I feel like, God, where are you? I'm exhausted. When's my kid coming? How come Ron is gone? I don't know what to do. Here comes the fall and the summer's over and we've been missing people and Lord, we got this conference and there's so much on our plates and our lives and and I don't know about you, but I am rejoicing in the promise that the Lord Jesus is going to make something out of me, even in spite of how I feel and what I see and what I'm doing. I will make you. If you say yes to coming to me and you start following me with the best of your ability, guess what? You don't go into cruise control, but you're yoked up to the one who always does all of the heavy lifting and the transforming and the redeeming and the renewing and the cultivating and the forming. Jesus is the one who does that in our life. And this week, I don't stand up here in strength. And as a pastor, I'm just coming to terms with, gosh, I have to stand before people and I really want to present a positive spin about how life is just easy and rosy, but this life, this week and this life is not easy, and this week has not been great. Hopefully it's been great for you, praise the Lord. But I'm talking to someone else in here. Am I talking to anybody else in here? Yes, sir. What do you do in those weeks when it... What do you do? You lean into... The promise of the I will make you. You lean into the promise that in spite of what I see or I'm going through, that there is one who is more devoted to me than I could ever hope to reciprocate and be devoted to him. That the 
covenant that the Lord Jesus, through the spilling of his blood, has made with you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, not just some crummy day can break that bond that Jesus has forged and formed with you. I will make you. Just keep coming to me and keep following me. I will make you. I've got what it takes to help you not live by feelings or circumstance or situation, but that you lean further into the promise and the reality of who I say that you are. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Many of you have heard this, but Jesus said that his kingdom is a little bit like a seed. You know that parable in Luke chapter eight and Luke in Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower? And the sower, he, he puts seed everywhere. Isn't then we have a good God? He throws kingdom seed everywhere. He wants everyone in his kingdom. And some of the seed falls along the path and the path, the, the, the birds, which represents the enemy, steals the seed. Some other seed falls on rocky places and, and it, some of it falls just in the right crack and it gets enough water and enough sunlight, it starts to grow, but it just immediately withers because it has no root system. Other seed falls on the ground and it grows up and there's some light and there's some, some nourishment and strength, but weeds start growing around it. And the weeds start taking more of the attention and the nutrients that belong for the good seed and it starts growing the weeds. And before you know it, the third person in Jesus' parable, that the worries and the cares of this life begin to choke out the life of the kingdom. Has anyone been there? I've been there. I've been there. But Jesus said that there's a fourth kind of soil that the sower is sowing his seed into and it's the good soil. But here's what's so significant about this good soil. This good soil is not just some patch of ground out there on Montano de Oro where it's unoccupied and the conditions are perfect and sunny and they get all the food they want. No, 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 no. Jesus said the ones who are the fourth kind of soil is that they receive the word, they retain the word, and after they persevere, uh uh-oh, we don't like that word, let's skip that one. Come on, somebody. This was Pastor Ron's favorite word in the Greek, hupomone, which means to come into alignment, to align oneself under. No matter what pressures on the outside of life are coming against you, you got to persevere. And then and only then, Jesus tells us that that seed produces 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. But has anyone ever tried to do a garden? Man, we got to have a prayer altar time right now because I have. Did you know that seed doesn't always grow at the pace that we want it to grow? Has anyone ever dug up the seed that you sowed to make sure it's getting its root system going? I'm glad we got some people who think that's funny. I will make you. I'm working, even when you don't think I'm working. I'm doing something in you. I'm doing something on your behalf. I'm doing something by my spirit and grace that if you'll let the seed take preeminence in your heart and life, 
and you'll just keep saying yes to me even though you don't know where that yes might lead. I know how to make things grow. I got this. 1 Corinthians 3, 7 through the rest, it says, someone plants and other waters, but it's always God who's the hero because only God knows how to make things grow. So you know what? Even as I stand here in weakness, not coming out of a great week and because I'm on fire and I did a billion good things for God or I got a, you know, a gold star in heaven, I stand here in confidence because I can boast in the Lord Jesus that he's making me into something. Not in spite of weakness, but in my weakness and in your weakness. He is forming and fashioning something beautiful, something breathtaking. But did you know that when you look at a piece of clay that's not fully formed and thrown into the kiln so it can harden, it can look like a funky mess of clay. You, me, but we've got to let the potter, Jeremiah 18, continue his work because he knows what he's doing. I will make you. Do you think those fishermen knew what was in store for them when they left their nets that morning? Can we be honest in church? The church isn't supposed to be the place that has all the answers for every single thing or question or problem. The church is the place that has their eyes on the one who promises to lead them all the way through unto victory. The place where even in the mystery of life or suffering or adversity or great loss, it's the place that says, you know what? You are good. Good. Oh, come on. You are good. Good. Oh, the ones who can say, you know what? He is good. The God who is good on the mountains is still as good as he is in the valleys. The God in the drought time when I'm parched and thirsty is as good as he is in the middle of an oasis where fruit abounds. The key is to keep our eyes on Jesus because I will make you. I've got this. I know what I'm doing, church. Disciple who's come to me, disciple who's forsaken all to follow me, you just keep on keeping on because I'm making something out of you that by the end of the day, the psalmist says, when we look in the mirror, we're going to be astonished by what we see by his mercy and grace. Sometimes you got to let the seed grow. And in the midst of seed growing, there's a lot of boring, sometimes ordinary, mundane days. But did you know that it's a part of the I will make you journey? Jesus is working in us. And aren't you thankful that when Jesus called those boys on the shore and the same Jesus that calls everyone in this room to come and to follow me, that he sees you at the end of your journey of transformation. He calls you from your future to follow him. That's a good word, I thought. It says in Revelation 22, it says in Revelation 1, it says in Revelation 21, that's at least three places, good enough for you, good enough for me. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first 
and the last. So when Jesus calls us to follow him, did you know that it's always like this, follow me? He's, always, he's in our future calling us toward that place that we are all going in Jesus, the place of transformation, the place of sharing and participating in his nature and in his goodness and his holiness and his likeness. That the call to follow me, I will make you. He's calling us from a place that is in our future, knowing who he's made us to be, that if we'll trust him and we'll hold on to his promises, we'll lean harder, not from the gospel, but into the gospel, the good news of a God who's reconciled sinful man to himself through his son, Jesus. That as we lean harder into that, he's calling us from our future. I'll make you, I'll make you. Trust me, you look better from my angle, but you got to keep coming. You got to keep following me. I'm making something in you and out of you. You may not see it or feel it. Maybe you got some bruised, bloody knees or elbows like me, but I got this. I got something for you. I'm making you out. I'm making you, I'm making you into something that if you saw it all now, you'd probably get a big head. So I'm not going to show it all to you right now. Come on, somebody. So he calls us from our future. In John chapter one, I'm gonna close just by looking briefly at Peter's life because Peter, he gets a lot of ink. He gets a lot of New Testament time in the Gospels and Acts, okay? So he's a case study. And that could be good or bad. But in John's Gospel, it says in John 1.42, when Andrew, Simon's brother, met Jesus, it says in Psalm, um, John, you know what, I can throw this on the screen. This isn't a video. You can uh, hit off. You can just see my notes. Don't try to read ahead. Don't be a stinker. This is just so you can see something, okay? That's right. I said don't be a stinker. Wow, you can't even see that, so watch this. Maybe. Wow, we are just dialed in today, just so you all know. Good grief. <laughs> Boom. Okay, whatever. <clears throat> We're frozen, so here we go. Hit the tape. Okay, hit the tape again. Forget it, people. It didn't work. <laughs> I got this this week. You know what I'm doing this week when I'm not pushing out a baby, or my wife's not pushing out a baby. <laughs> I'm fixing this, okay. In verse 42 of John 1, it says, Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, but you will be called Peter. Sorry I'm all emotional about that, but I'm just saying it as a phrase. I'm not really sorry. At the beginning of John's gospel, Jesus calls Simon by the reality of what his life will eventually become, but it certainly isn't at the moment he calls him. Are you tracking with me? Hey, Simon, you're going to be called Peter, which means rock, which if you know the gospel story, and I'm going to give you a blitz through Peter's life, you're going to go... Jesus, you must have saw something no one else saw, and that's exactly the point of this morning's message, by the way. John says, Simon, you're going to be called Peter. We see Peter 
water walking. Pretty big deal. The only disciple besides, you know, only other human to walk on water. But Peter sank. What, whoa. But did you know that's a cooler story to say, I walked on water and sank, than I never walked on water. <laughs> Peter was the first one of the disciples to confess that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the king, and the Spirit revealed it. And this is where Jesus tells him again, your name has been Simon Bar-John, son of John, but it will be Peter. And on the confession of Christ, I'm going to build my church, and Peter, you're going to be a leader in this thing. Peter, <clears throat> a few verses later, is called Satan, so not a good day. I'm just trying to show you the identity <laughs> crisis that some of the disciples of Jesus face. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on, that was pretty weak sauce. Thank you. Messiah confessor, get behind me, Satan. And the transfiguration when Jesus is glorified in Matthew 17, Peter is so overwhelmed, he doesn't know to just sit quiet and to be in all of the majesty of God. He starts running his mouth and he's all, shall we build some tabernacles for all y'all? Anyone ever miss the point? It was Peter, the one, and I'm not picking on Peter, Lord, forgive me, and tell Peter if you're with him, I'm sorry. Peter was the one disciple, I guess some other disciples too, who promised that when Jesus said, you're all going to desert me, he said, I'll never do it. I'll die before I do that. And the, all the other disciples vowed the same. Peter, it's Matthew makes it a very clear point to say that Peter and some other disciples, that when Jesus called them to watch in the garden before Jesus' crucifixion, Peter fell asleep. Does this sound like a rock to you? Maybe a rock head, but not a rock. <laughs> but what did Jesus call him there in John chapter 1? You're going to be called Peter. I will make you. You know, Peter's the one who, when the soldiers come and arrest Jesus, who thinks it's a good idea to start lopping heads off. Remember that story? If you don't know your Bible, it's in there. He takes his sword and he cuts the, the Malchus, the, you know, the servant of the high priest's ear off, and Jesus is all, those who live by the sword die by the sword, so you sure you're going to finish what you're starting here, boy? but I will make you. Jesus, when he's getting his false trial, Peter is following Jesus at a distance. And he says this when asked if he knew Jesus. Remember the one who said, I would never deny him. A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man, Peter said. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Jesus' word, it says in Scripture, flashed through Peter's mind. And he remembered what the Lord told him he would do. And before everyone gets all sad and grumpy, do you remember what we're talking about this morning? I will make you. I'm just giving this as a case study to say that the gospel writers 
are making a point to all of the Jesus followers, original 12 and all Jesus followers in 2016, the road to being mature and following Jesus is not a straight, simple, downhill, easy road. Can I get an amen? Amen. But oftentimes it's windy, it's up and down, it's grindy, it hurts, it's not always easy. Some weeks are good, some are bad. And I'm not saying you are destined to always fail or do all that stuff. I'm just saying thus is life. But there is one who's called us and promised us, I will make you if you'll just keep following me. And we see that it was Peter that Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15, 5 appeared to first. That's pretty cool. We see Jesus appearing to Peter and the disciples after his resurrection. They're like 100 yards from the shore, but John says, it's Jesus, and Peter's all, I'm going swimming. Maybe I can walk again. (laughs) It's a funny scene, but Peter was, he sunk like a rock. I don't know what else to tell you. That was a cheesy preacher joke. Thank you for the front row. (laughs) And Peter swims over to Jesus Because the last time he saw Jesus, it was across the way, and he denied ever knowing him. And so Peter was really excited about a second chance. And I want you to know that there's a second chance for somebody in this room. There's a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a 20th chance. I will make you, says the Lord. Just come to me and follow me. Quit digging up the seed that I planted in you and allow me to do my deep work in you and just trust that I know what I'm doing if you just keep following me. And this is where Jesus restores Peter and he asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter is wrecked in his heart because Jesus had to ask him so many times. Once he was filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter becomes a leader of the church he starts looking like a rock now. (sighs) Did you know that the Holy Spirit is the difference maker? Jesus poured out his spirit upon his church in the early days, and it was Peter who stood up and prophesied and preached the gospel to the 15 nations represented in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 and the promise of Matthew 4:19 I will make you fishers of men is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 when 3000 are cut to the heart and they're caught for the gospel and for the kingdom by Peter Amen. Now you tell me this what if Peter would have stopped halfway on the destination and the I will make you process and said you know what he can't use me I'm a wash-up. I'm a nobody. I've made a mess out of my life. What if, church, what if when he was called Satan after he was called a rock, he would have got offended and like John 6, the many other disciples who stopped following Jesus, what if he turned around and said, you know what, this is too hard following this rogue rabbi, prophet, priest, Jesus guy healing, preaching, delivering, getting us all in trouble. Come on, what if? But the one who calls you is faithful, 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, and he will do it. He will do it. The one who calls us, 
the one who marks us and invites us to follow him and to know him is the very one who will make good on the word of invitation and the word of transformation and the word of foundation and the word of purpose and identity. He's faithful. He's going to do it. I will make you, says the Lord Jesus to those in this room and those listening online. 3,000 were caught by the Galilean fishermen who was a rock. In the next chapter, he's the cripple healer in Acts chapter three. I don't have silver or gold. I gave up my trade to follow Jesus, but I've got Jesus, so get up. And the cripple gets up and walks and he throws a happy dance. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter gets to be a part of becoming an expert kosher breaker and he enters the house of a Gentile. It was against the rules. It was a no-no of his day. And as he's preaching the gospel, the spirit falls and a harvest and the gospel mission to the world is, is, is wide open through the obedience of the rock, Peter, and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Finally, by Galatians 2, which is decades later after Jesus initially called him, Paul writes this about Peter. In Galatians 2.9, James, Peter, and John were known as pillars of the church. I will make you, says the Lord. <laughs> I'm more devoted to your transformation than you ever will be. But we do this together. You got to come to me and you got to follow me. But I know what I'm doing. Follow me in the funk. Come on, somebody. Follow me when you don't feel jack, when you feel nothing, when you're weary, when you're tired, and you're hungry. Follow me. Come to me. Don't quit. Don't turn to the left or the right. More is happening in you than you will ever know. And finally, Peter, the rock. According to the church father, Origen and Eusebius of Caesarea and Clement I of Rome and St. Ignatius and St. Irenaeus, according to tradition, Peter was crucified not upright but upside down because he didn't see himself as fitting and worthy to die in the same manner that Jesus died. Now you tell me a fisherman to martyr would have been possible apart from a force that was more fierce and more powerfully devoted to Peter's transformation would be the reality of his life. And a man who is 32 preaching about his life in 2016, you tell me if that would be possible if there wasn't someone more devoted to the call and the identity that he knew and he saw even with the warts and the wrinkles and the bumps and the bruises that the one who says, I will make you was gonna be faithful to do it to the end. I will make you. Amen. I told you it was started a little bit sad and maybe a little, but I knew it was going to end good. Even when it doesn't feel good, I'm telling you, church, it's still good. 
Am I talking to anybody here this morning? I will make you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. Come, follow me. I will make you next week, fishers of men. (laughs) For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the very image of the Son. Whoa. That Jesus might be just the firstborn among many brothers and sisters who look like him. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he will someday glorify. I will make you, says the Lord. Just keep your eyes on me. I will make you. I will make you. You know, As I talked to one of my best friends, Rick, yesterday on the phone, telling him about my week, (laughs) he said, Chatty, you do know that you're not getting up preaching out of a better place on the text that you're preaching on than the week you just experienced. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) I like coming to the pulpit soaring on angel wings living a fiery, fruitful, exciting week, not a week where I felt like I barely made it through, but did you know, Rick was right. Chad, I think the Lord set you up. I'm not saying that part of the following journey of Christ is not mountaintop. I'm saying there are moments of incredible joy and intimate satisfaction and come on somebody and just... Oh, there's nothing like it, and it feels good, and it's happy. I'm thankful for those times. But for the other 99.3.4% of your Christian life, okay, 85%, you can trust. He's the same God on the mountains as he is in and through the valleys. And he's got this, and he's got you. So keep your eyes on him. Don't turn to the left or to the right. I will make you. Now, it's really hard for him to make you if you haven't come to him and finally settled the issue. You know what? I'm following Jesus. I know Chatty just preached number three in the part four part series, but I don't even know him. How how is he, is he gonna make me, but do I have to respond? And that's sort of the unique part of the gospel that he could just zap and boom and the world would be well, but he invites us into relationship by his spirit and through his grace. And I wonder if there's anyone here today who would say, Chatty, I'm excited for what he's gonna make out of me and in me and through me, but I wanna decide to follow Jesus today. If that's you, can you just raise your hand? Is there anyone like that this morning? You can raise them big, it's okay. I wanna follow Jesus. Yeah. Who wants to follow him even though you've been following him, but still, he's still worthy to follow. It's so funny, but honestly, 
he continues to ask the, us the question, are you going to follow me? It's, it is an everyday. Did you know that? But the everyday invitation is met with an everyday promise, I will make you. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning that we have come under. We come under and in agreement with the promise of a God who calls us and shapes us and forms us. We say yes. We say yes to coming to you. We say yes to following you. We say yes to the promise that he who began a good work in us, he will carry it on to completion on the day of Christ Jesus when we see you face to face, when we no longer know in part, but we know fully, even as you know us fully now. And so, Lord, for my church family, fill and fall and form every person in this room or who's listening to these words right now would they experience the goodness and saving power of Jesus Christ as we come, follow, and you make and shape and form us to be people who look like, who love like Jesus himself. Father, we love you and we bless you. You are good, good, oh, oh. In Christ's name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Hey, as we go, I just want to say um, I love you. And this week on my run, on one of my runs, the Lord just put such a love in my heart I don't know how else to describe it, because I'm running, okay, I'm just trying to stay alive. <laughs> and the Lord just bursted my heart with love for the people that we get to pastor and do life with. I want you to know I have an open door, email, phone call, I'm not hard to reach. I'd love to get to know you and pray with you and to be a part of your journey, and I know many other people in this room feel the same way. This is a family, Amen. And part of what families do is they eat together. Come on, somebody. And so I want to pray for our food so you guys can go straight to that room and eat your food. But please sign up for Thrive Conference. I promise you it's worth your vacation time. These are my three of my favorite men from around the country who carry an anointing of the Lord. Your life will be totally changed. You can register online, and please be baptized if you've decided to follow Jesus. You can talk to me after the service. Lord, we love you. Bless the food that we're about to eat and all of the hands that prepared the good food. Lord, we pray that we would be stunned as we keep our eyes on you, what you're doing in us, and ultimately what you'll do through us in our families, our lives, our relationships, and everywhere we go loving and living for Jesus everywhere. We pray this in Christ's name, and everyone shouted, amen. amen.